Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. The first reading is from the 10th chapter of Acts. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Here ends the reading. Now we will read responsively Psalm 98. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout to the Lord, all all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melody song, with trumpets and the sound of a ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. The second reading is the first chapter of John, the fifth, first chapter, first John, fifth chapter. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with his testimony. 
Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. It's the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me, Jesus said. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because the master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is the gospel of the Lord. So, I'm going on sabbatical tomorrow. Three months of rest. My dad, who is also a priest, suggested I don't change out of my PJs the first day, so I'm getting a start on that with my stylish liturgical bathrobe. You too can own one from Target. <laughs> Sabbatical isn't exactly vacation. There's some overlap, but this is a little different than vacation. I've got some close friends who, bless their hearts, have spreadsheets for their vacations. Maybe there are those of you here present who do the same thing. Schedules of the tours and the visits and the reservations they make in advance. So every minute is used well. They love it, and I love it for them. But it sounds exhausting to me. All that doing is what I do every day. I need to do less. I need to sleep more, of course. Not a one of us, by the way, gets enough sleep these days. But to rest, to rejuvenate, to reintegrate, to reboot. Sabbatical means a really long Sabbath day. In the 3DM discipleship structure that we use around here, maybe you've heard us talk about that, there's a tool called the semicircle. And it looks like a semicircle, conveniently. It describes how we swing like a pendulum between work and rest. The semicircle is the path that the pendulum takes back and forth. So it's a, it's a diagnostic tool. How much are you resting? How much are you working? Where are you on that swing? And at the Edge House campus ministry where I work, we revised this tool a little bit. The ends of that pendulum are called filling up and pouring out. Things that are work can be refilling of energy just as much as they can be a pouring out. And things that we consider rest can sometimes be a filling up or a pouring out. Depends on the thing, depends on the person. So what parts of your life fill you up or drain you? I've noticed a lot of people say things like, I feel like I've emptied myself out. Or, I'm just so tired. I don't have any energy. Or, I feel like I need to refill. And I imagine a bunch of you in this room feel those things. I totally hear that. And that is something to pay attention to, not just to say offhandedly and then do the same things we always do. But for me, after nine years of campus ministry and hearing people's stories and being involved in their lives, I don't feel empty. I feel full. Like so overflowing to the brim with relationship and story, I need to pour it out. 
My hope is in doing that this summer, I will get some perspective, some integration of these students' stories with the vision of the Edge House. Another phrase that we use in discipleship work is, work from your rest. I like it so much it's tattooed on my arm. Not rest from your work, though that, that's important, we need to rest from our work, but work from your rest. Begin with the rest. Begin with abiding in God. Begin with delighting in God's having made all that is. Then take a rest and take that delight out into your work. Can you imagine what that would be like? How do I do that? How do we do that, really? It's not just about me. Because rest is something we all need, desperately. There's a reason we've got the requirement for Sabbath in the Ten Commandments. And for goodness sake, God took a day off after creating all there is. If it's good enough for God, rest is not just a three-month moment for clergy. It's, it's for all of us. So this bathrobe is meant to remind every one of you and to me to rest. We all work hard at something. Could be paid work, could be unpaid, could be schooling or relational work. Our brains and bodies are just buzzing all the time. More than needing to rest ourselves, even Sabbath rest is for our collective relationship with God. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel says, we are to refrain from creating and destroying on the Sabbath so we can be reminded of who really does those things. It's not us. (coughs) The Sabbath is... One day, one summer, one moment to turn and face God directly, to look at what God has made and to delight in whose we are. I say delight because Sabbath and sabbatical are not grim obligations, they're gifts. My students make a lot of fun of me when we go on retreat to the woods, even this past week when we were at Red River Gorge. They make fun of me because when we hike, I stop suddenly every few yards and bend down awkwardly to get super close to the moss. I gently touch it with my palm and I say, wow, and what a good little moss you are. (laughs) And when I say it out loud, it does sound a little weird. (laughs) But moss is amazing. Did you know that? They don't have seeds, they have spores that they eject into the wind using compressed air at 36,000 times the force of gravity. (laughs) There are over 12,000 species of moss, and the ancestors of current mosses played a large part in creating the Ice Age 470 million years ago. Look it up on Wikipedia. (laughs) Lots of folks know about peat moss used in making scotch whiskey, But did you know that native peoples in the Northern Americas used dried moss as a kind of diaper for babies and to absorb menstrual blood? They so did. Anyway, the point is moss is cool. Don't get me started on ferns. (laughs) On these retreats, when I wax rhapsodic about moss, the main purpose isn't about the moss itself. It's about what it represents. We go hiking and cook together and sing and sit around talking When we hike, I remind them at the trailhead that we're not trying to get to a destination. The the falls or the peak or whatever it is we're going to see will be there when we get there. Try strolling a bit. Mosey, maybe. 
Notice the plants and the rocks and the moss around you. Try breathing from the bottom of your belly. Smell the forest. Notice how your feet hit the ground when you walk. We try to stop the frenetic pace of our regular life to really look and smell the world around us. There's this bit in the Gospels where Jesus says something very similar. He says, Consider the lilies, how they neither spin nor weave, but I tell you, Solomon in all his glory was never clothed like one of these. It's just lovely. But right before that bit, he says, Worrying doesn't make the future safer or longer, so why bother? Jesus himself feels like he's judging me and saying, I should just not work. Just no big deal. Just don't work. Don't worry. Sure. I'll stop being anxious now. Just no problem. Jesus says, be more like the worry-free flowers. That's what I'll do. It'll just fix everything. Don't think that's what he's saying. (laughs) Feels that way sometimes. This artist, Makoto Fujimura, says, maybe Jesus is saying the flowers are an antidote to our worry. The opposite of worry is looking at flowers. It's a deeply unproductive activity. It activates the beauty and pleasure centers in our brain instead of the hurry and accomplishment centers. Jesus is saying, feel stressed? Go look at nature. Go find a tree, sit near it, even if it's one near your apartment. Look up through the leaves, feel the bark, breathe slower. Rather than being a judgment, stop worrying, it's profound advice. I don't know what your anxieties are, but I know you have them. We all carry them around like luggage with broken handles. We can't let go of them, because what if we need them? And carrying them all the time is exhausting. We all get caught up in thinking it's our work alone that holds the world together. I need to worry about these things to keep them from happening. Because that works. So I love this idea that Jesus telling us to consider the lilies isn't another task to check off of our lists. It is itself the antidote to anxiety. Literally going and looking at nature makes things better. Now, not everything, not perfectly better, but it gives us room to breathe and consider. And there's tons of science to back this up as well. Spending time in the natural world improves our short-term memory. It reduces physical inflammation It improves our sight and concentration. There's even a study in Holland that says that the more green space you are surrounded with for your life, the fewer diseases you'll have. It's amazing. The lilies you consider can be any number of things. Literal lilies, a blade of grass, moss, cloud formations. It's almost tomato season. Smell of tomato leaves. Actually leaving your classroom building or your work building for lunch. Reading something that opens you up. A conversation with a beloved friend. Snuggling with your child or another friend. I'm sure you have a list. This summer I am literally going to be considering the lilies. As I'll be working in my garden. And retreating to Hocking Hills to hike. I'll be taking a step back and looking at the whole pattern of what we've planted here and at the Edge House appreciating its beauty, maybe, maybe noticing some bits that need to be trimmed, but all as a way of considering the whole beautiful community and creation around me. 
as I release, pour out. So I want to invite you all to consider sabbatical this summer as well. I know you have jobs and things. And so I know maybe wearing your PJs to work won't go as well. But you never know until you try it. I mean, what if you begin with rest every day? Maybe a moment of prayer each morning, like during our Lenten journey, to examine the day and rest in gratitude. Maybe take an extra few minutes with your breakfast to really taste what you're eating and drinking. Maybe just pausing at your doorstep and breathing deeply in and out, reminding yourself that this is God's breath before you head out to your meetings. Or what if you start scheduling empty space in your calendar where nothing gets planned? It's like a block on your calendar. And when you arrive at that time, you don't get on your phone or Netflix or whatever it is that you do to waste time. But you read. You play a board game with your kids or parents, walk around your neighborhood aimlessly, or just literally sit and stare at a flower. And maybe more than that, I want to invite you to consider what is it that fills you up? What is it that makes your breath come slower and deeper, that makes you feel like you could contain multitudes? What is it that brings you alive? What the world needs is people who have come alive again. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.